You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers with your host, Bang and Dang. Bang here, Dang over there. On this episode of Outlaws and Gunslingers, we're bringing you the um, well-known and well-documented case of the infamous Unabomber that terrorized uh, America from 1978 to 1995, killing three people, injuring 23 others. The dude and made I, it a long time. He did. How long did the other, the little bomber? And the he, male bomber? It was yeah. about 20 years, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, Theodore John Kaczynski, obviously also known as the Unabomber, American domestic terrorist, former mathematics professor. Of course. He, uh... Did the bombing between 78 and 95, killing three people, injuring 23 in a nationwide bombing campaign against people he believed to be advanced in modern technology Ooh. and the destruction of the environment. And he quit. So uh, he, quit. he quit teaching in 1969 right. to pursue a primitive life. Primitive life. Sorry. So did he go out in, like in the woods and well, live off the grid? Well, spoiler. That's yes. a primitive life, right? Spoiler. Yes, he did. But uh, we will get there, <laughs> obviously, detailing uh, well, that's, that's uh, how he gets there and all that good stuff. But Primitive life gave it away. Right. I'm sure everybody, have, I'm sure all of you have heard of the Unabomber. If not, uh, you're going to learn about it today. Even if you've heard of the Unabomber, you might not have heard of uh, the in-depth story. Do you think story he alone? That we're about to cover here today. Kaczynski was born on May 22nd, 1942 in Chicago, Illinois, to working-class parents Wanda Teresa and Theodore Richard Kaczynski. That's a hell of a name, Wanda Teresa. And Theodore Richard Kaczynski, a sausage maker. <laughs> oh, no. All right. The two were Polish-Americans. That makes sense. And were raised as Catholics, but later became atheists. Well, oh, they married on April 11th, 1939. Good for them. Kaczynski's parents told his younger brother, David, that Ted had been a happy baby up until severe hives forced him to a hospital isolation with limited contact with others, after which he showed little emotions for months. Oh, no. Wanda recalled Ted recoiling from a picture of himself as an infant being held down by physicians examining his hives. Okay. She said uh, he slowly. She she said he showed sympathy for animals who were in cages or otherwise helpless, which she speculated stemmed from experience in hospital isolation. All right. Well, at least he's not killing them and uh, doing all that stuff. Signs right. of a serial killer. Well, dang. So it's already. Usually they have good child lives, you know. Stuff like that, right? From first to fourth grade, ages six to nine, Kaczynski attended Sherman Elementary School in Chicago where administrators described him as healthy and well-adjusted. 1952, three years after David was born, the family moved to suburban Evergreen Park in Illinois. Ted transferred to Evergreen Park Central Junior High School. After testing, scored his IQ at 167. Oh, he skipped the sixth grade. Yeah, but I imagine so. He probably could skip the seventh and eighth, too. Right. Go over on to the old high school. Kaczynski later described this as a pivotal event. Previously, he had socialized with his peers and was even a leader. But after skipping ahead of them, he felt he did not fit in with, obviously, I mean, that happens a lot. And then they become, yeah, that's why I don't, I don't really agree with the skipping ahead stuff, man. Just let him dominate his classes until he gets there, right? Yeah, he didn't feel good with the, in front, with the older children. They constantly made fun of him, bullied him, stuffed him in lockers, right. wedgies. Does this kid think he is smarter than us? Taking uh-huh. his pocket protector and... 
His inhaler hit it all the time. His glasses. Neighbors in Evergreen Park later described the Kaczynski family as civic-minded folks. One recalling the parents sacrificed everything they had for their children. Well, okay. Both Ted and David were intelligent, but Ted exceptionally so. Well, poor David. Neighbors described him as a smart but lonely individual. His mother recalled Ted as a shy child who would become unresponsive if pressured into a social situation. Okay. Yeah. At one point, she was so worried about his social development that she considered him considered entering him in a study for autistic children led by Bruno what? Bethlehem. All you had to do is put him back in the regular grade he was supposed to be in. Simple. Easily. Easy fix. Well, he's not autistic, so why would she even do that? Because he was turning into a... Maybe she thought he was. Right. Uh, decided against it after seeing Bethlehem's abrupt and cold manner. Right. Yeah, they didn't treat autistic kids very well back then. There wasn't a lot. Well, obviously. Not like nowadays. Even, it's like what one every ten thousand or something. No, autism. Autism. Uh, yeah, right. It's like one in a hundred. One in a hundred thousand. One in a hundred. Hundred. Oh shit! Kaczynski attended. Well, I got. I got to fact check myself there. <laughs> right. One in fifty-four American children is autistic. One in. Uh, uh, there's around five point four million in uh, the U.S. that are autistic. One in fifty-four American children is autistic. That's ridiculous. Wow. That's never been the case so that's down because i remember hearing commercials a couple years ago it was like one in a hundred or something that's ridiculous mm. wow or mm. it's up i should say not down but kaczynski attended evergreen park community high school where he excelled academically he played the trombone in the marching band and was a member of the mathematics biology coin and german clubs hey a coin club hey man there's a lot of coin clubs and a german club even though he's polish i know right 1996 a former classmate said he was never really seen as a person, <laughs> as an individual personality. He was always regarded as a walking brain, so to speak. Oh, you know everybody that had problems with something. Uh, go to Ted. Ted right. knows the answer. Right. He probably got bullied by the stupid kids to do his homework. Do his homework and all that, yeah. During this period, Kaczynski became intensely interested in mathematics, spending hours studying and solving advanced problems. Jeez, you gotta be, uh, mm. your brain's gotta be wired different to be interested in mathematics, first of all. Mm. <laughs> he true. became associated with a group of like-minded boys interested in science and mathematics known as the Briefcase Boys for their nice. penchant for carrying briefcases. Oh, high, highly sophisticated and stuff. Nice. Throughout high school, Kaczynski was ahead of his classmates academically. Briefcase Boys? Throughout high school, yeah, he was ahead of his classmates academically. It makes sense. Obviously. Placed in a more advanced mathematics class, he soon mastered the material. Mm. He skipped the 11th grade, and by attending summer school, he graduated at age 15. Oh, wait. Wouldn't you love that? Because <laughs> this, well, dang. No, because now he's about to go on to college and stuff. Yeah. Kaczynski was one of the school's five national merit finalists and was encouraged to apply to Harvard. Oh, of course. He entered Harvard on a scholarship oh, oh, wow. in 1958 at age 16. Nice. A classmate later said Kaczynski was emotionally unprepared. Of they course he was. They packed him up and sent him to Harvard before he was ready. He didn't even have a driver's license. Right. I mean, you can't just send guys to college at 16 years and old. Can you imagine the type of people that are going to Harvard? Exactly. Mm. Darren's rich, right. richy riches, Snobby. and uh, from the looks of it, a sausage maker's boy is not going to be uh, no. super rich. So, no. During his first year at Harvard, Kaczynski lived at Eight Prescott Street, which was designed to accommodate the youngest and most precocious incoming students in a small, intimate living space. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, right. For the following three years, he lived at Elliot House, which uh, apparently is a famous uh, like frat house or house. Something. I wouldn't say frat house, but. Housemates and other students at Harvard describe Kaczynski as a very intelligent but socially reserved person. Yeah. So it's that theme it will continue, it looks like. Kaczynski earned his Bachelor's of Arts degree in mathematics from Harvard, 1962. 
finishing with a GPA of 3.12. That's pretty low for Harvard. He was 20 years old when he got his bachelor's degree. Wow. Crazy. Right. In his second year at Harvard, Kaczynski participated in a study described by author Elston Chase as a purposely brutalizing psychological experiment led by Harvard psychologist Henry, Henry Murray. Okay. Subjects were told they would debate personal philosophy with a student, uh, fellow student and were asked to write essays detail, detailing their personal beliefs and aspirations. Oh, the essays were given to an anonymous individual who would confront and belittle the subject in what Murray called vehement, sweeping, and personally abusive oh. attacks using the content of the essays as ammunition. Oh. How would you say this? You suck! Right, <laughs> Pretty much, right? right, right. Wow. Electrodes monitored the subject's psychological reactions. These encounters were filmed, and subjects' expressions of anger and rage were later played back to them repeatedly. Jeez. Dang. The experiment lasted three years. Was someone verbally abusing and humiliating Kaczynski each for week? For three years? Oh, my. I mean, after the couple, like... Right, you have to be... A few months, you'd probably be used to it, but like, all right, whatever. All right. I mean, how many times are you going to say the same thing over right. and over? Kaczynski spent 200 hours as part of the study. Mm. Kaczynski's lawyers later attributed his hostility towards mind control techniques to his participation in Murray's study. Uh, it kind of is like mind control. I mean, there, yeah. Repeatedly beating down the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's so, is this guy responsible for... Uh, Oh, Teddy's... Uh... Well, here we go. Here's some uh, conspiracies here. Some sources have suggested that Murray's experience was part of Project MK Ultra, oh. the, uh, the CIA's research into mind control. They also suggested that this experience may have motivated Kaczynski's criminal activities. Kaczynski stated that he resented Murray and his co-workers primarily because of the invasion of his privacy he perceived as a result of their experiments. Oh, no shit. Nevertheless, he said he was quite confident that his experiences with Professor Murray had no significant effect on the course of his life. Mm, can you really say that? Well, he's confident, I guess. So, Well, he went to be assist- assistant professor at UC Berkeley. Nice. Apparently. 1962, Kaczynski enrolled at the University of Michigan where he earned his master's and doctoral degrees in mathematics in 1964 and 1967, respectively. Wow. Michigan was not his first choice for postgraduate education. He had applied to uh, University of California in Berkeley and the University of Chicago, both of which accepted but offered him no teaching position or financial aid. Wow. So Michigan offered him an annual grant of $2,000, $2,310, equivalent to almost twenty today, and a teaching post. Well, good for him. So he gets to go to school and learn more while teaching. While teaching. Uh, right. Nice. At Michigan, Kaczynski specialized in complex analysis, specifically ge- geometric function theory. Professor Peter Duran of, uh, said of Kaczynski, Professor Peter Duran said of Kaczynski, he was an unusual person. He was not like the other graduate students. He was much more focused about his work. He had a drive to discover mathematical truth. Hmm. George Peranian, another of his Michigan mathematics professors, said it is not enough to say he was smart. Right. Professor Alan Shields wrote about Kaczynski in a great evaluation that he was the best man I have seen. Hmm. Since he received one F, five B's and 12 A's in his 18 courses at the university. What was the F? Right. In 2006, he said he had unpleasant memories of Michigan and felt the university had low standards for grading as evidenced by his relatively high grades. So he's saying he shouldn't have got those higher grades? How was how it relatively high? Well, he had one F, five Bs, and 12 As. If you're smart, you should get 12 As. You should, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kaczynski. All right. For a period of seven weeks in 1966, Kaczynski experienced intense sexual fantasies of being a female. Oh, here we go. He decided to undergo gender transition. Oh, my goodness. He arranged to meet with a psychiatrist, but changed his mind in the waiting room. 
did not disclose his reason for making the appointment. Afterwards, enraged, he considered killing the psychiatrist and other people whom he'd hated. Jeez. Oh, no. Now we don't know what he wants. He wants right. to be a woman. Now he wants to be a serial killer. <laughs> right. Jeez. Just don't be president next. Come on. Kaczynski described this episode as a major turning point in his life. I assume. He said, I felt disgusted about what my uncontrolled sexual cravings had almost let me to do. And I felt humiliated. And I violently hated the psychiatrist. Just then... There came a major turning point in my life. Okay, yeah. Like a phoenix. Oh, no. I burst from the ashes of my despair to a glorious new hope. A glorious new hope, yeah, which mm. is, we'll see, 1967, because this is dissertation, Boundary Functions, won the Sumner B. Myers Prize for Michigan's Beth Mathematics Dissertation of the Year. Okay. Alan Shields, his doctoral advisor, called it the best I have ever directed. Dang. And Maxwell Reed, a member of the dissertation dissertation committee said i would guess that maybe 10 or 12 men in the country understood or appreciated it <laughs> it's crazy that's how complex right. and crazy it was Jordan Peterson right. and well if he was well, he was alive then but um in late 1967 the 25 year old kaczynski became an acting assistant professor at the university of california berkeley where he taught mathematics i would assume right that's what he's going to teach what we taught uh health <laughs> biology biology i mean, guess he maybe could be math and biology but not he was in a bio, biology, uh, what do they call them? Group? Club? Biology club, club in high schools, Ooh. wasn't he? Was it biology? I think so. Uh, yeah, biology. Yeah, mathematics, biology, coin, and German clubs. Maybe he taught coin club uh, or a coin uh, something, right? September 1968, Kaczynski was appointed assistant professor. A sign that he was on the track for tenure. Oh, getting tenure means right. he, he can do and say whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. His teaching evaluation suggests... He was not well-liked by his students. He seemed uncomfortable teaching, taught straight from the test book, and refused to answer questions. Well, that's not a good professor. No, you can't do that. Without any explanation, Kaczynski resigned 30th of June in 1969. The chairman of the mathematics department, J.W. Addison, called it a sudden and unexpected resignation. I bet it was. After resigning from Berkeley, Kaczynski moved to his parents' home in Lombard, Illinois. Dang, he just left California altogether. Illinois. Two years later, in 71, he moved to a remote cabin he had built outside Lincoln, Montana. Dang, he's going all over the place. Where he could live a simple life with little money and without electricity or running water. Nice. Working odd jobs and receiving significant financial support from his family. Okay. All that time he was uh, collecting salary for being a professor. He didn't save any money. He didn't got no money. Kaczynski's original goal was to become self-sufficient so he can live autonomously. He used an old bicycle to get to town. That's good. And a volunteer at the local library said he visited frequently to read classic works in their original languages. Jeez. Other Lincoln residents said later that such a lifestyle was not unusual in this area. Probably. I mean, probably, I mean, it's Montana. Remoteness. Kaczynski's cabin was described by a census taker in the 1990 census as containing a bed, two chairs, storage trunks, a gas stove, and lots of books. Dude, it was a single room little shed, pretty much. Uh, started in 1975, Kaczynski performed acts of sabotage, including arson and booby trapping against developments near to his cabin. Oh, he's, Dang. Do, he's doing some, uh, he's doing some, um, Dutton stuff, right. huh? He's doing some Dutton <laughs> stuff out there. All right. It is Montana as well. He also dedicated himself to reading about sociology and political philosophy, including the works of Jacques Ellul. Kaczynski's brother David later stated that Alul's book, The Techno- Technological Society, became Ted's Bible. Oh. Kaczynski recounted in 1998, when I read the book for the first time, I was delighted because I thought 
here is someone who's saying what I've already been thinking. Hey. Oh, I mean, when you get something like that, it's yeah. always in, yeah, it's always uh, uh, you fall in love with that. Whenever you, yeah, somebody in, thinking like you, right? In an interview after his arrest, he recalled being shocked on a hike to one of his favorite wild spots. It's kind of a rolling country, not flat, and when you get to the edge of it, you find these ravines that cut very deeply into the cliff-like drop-offs, and there was even a waterfall there. It was about a two-day's hike from my cabin. That was the best spot until the summer of 1983. That summer, there were too many people around my cabin, so I decided I needed some peace. I went back to the plateau, and when I got there... I found that they had put a road right through the middle of it. You just can't imagine how upset I was. It was from that point on I decided that rather than trying to acquire further wilderness skills, I would work on getting back at the system. Revenge. Dang. Uh Uh-oh. Hey, man, don't put a road through a man's wilderness. Right. Come on. Well, Kaczynski was visited multiple times in Montana by his father, who was impressed by Ted's wilderness skills. Kaczynski's father was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer in 1990 mm. and held a family meeting without Kaczynski later that year to map out their future. Okay. In October 1990, his father committed suicide. Dang. I mean, he was going to die, right? right. We don't but still, you don't kill yourself. Right. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Man. Between 1978 and 1995, Kaczynski's mailed or hand-delivered a series of increasingly sophisticated bombs that killed three people and injured 23 others. Uh-huh. 16 bombs were attributed to Kaczynski. Thing, where was the other ones contributed to? While the bombing devices varied widely through the years, many contained the initials FC, which Kaczynski later said it stood for Freedom Club. He's a Freedom Club. Right. While the bombing devices varied widely through the years, many contained the initials FC. Well, Kaczynski later said that it stood for Freedom Club, uh, which he inscribed on the parts inside. He purposely left misleading clues in the devices and took extreme care in preparing them to avoid leaving fingerprints. Good ma'am. Fingerprints found on some of the devices did not match those found on the letters attributed to Kaczynski. Jeez, why? Hmm. Uh, Kaczynski's first mail bomb was directed at Buckley Christ, or Christ, Christ, a professor at materials engineering at Northwestern University. Dang. University. On May 25th, 1978, a package bearing Christ, the Christ? Chris, Chris, Chris's yeah. return address was found in a parking lot at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Uh-oh. The package was returned to Chris, who was suspicious because he had not sent it, so he contacted campus police. Officer Terry Marker opened the package, which exploded and caused minor injuries. Dang. It must not be very powerful bombs, obviously. Right. Kaczynski had returned to Chicago for the May 1978 bombing, stayed there for a time to work with his father and brother at a foam rubber factory. August 1978, his brother fired him for writing insulting limericks about a female uh, supervisor. Ted had courted briefly. <laughs> he was not, uh, He's like, this 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 chick don't want me, so guess what? I'm going to embarrass her. All right. Where did he write it? Like on the bathroom stall or something? The supervisor later recalled Kaczynski as intelligent and quiet, but remembered little of their acquaintanceship and firmly denied they had any romantic relationship. No, because well, this kid was just fantasizing. I don't think about they. You. Nobody said they had a romantic uh, relationship. He courted, he courted her, which so he wanted to. He was right. trying to flirt with her and get her on a date. Right. Kaczynski's second bomb was sent nearly one year after the first one, again to Northwestern University. The bomb, concealed inside a cigar box and left on a table, caused minor injuries to graduate student John Harris when he opened it. Mm, shouldn't be so nosy, John Harris. Right. <laughs> Minor injuries. Does that mean like a little burn on his hand or something? Probably cut something. Mm-hmm. In 1979, a bomb was placed in the cargo hold of American Airlines Flight 444, Ooh. a Boeing 727 flying from Chicago to Washington, D.C. 
A faulty timing mechanism prevented the bomb from exploding, but it released smoke, oh. which caused the pilots to carry out an emergency landing. Nice. Dang, he was trying to, he was about to blow up a plane. Dang. Dude. Authorities said it had enough power to obliterate the plane had it exploded. Whoa. Kaczynski man. sent his next bomb to Percy Wood, who was the president of United Airlines. Oh. Jeez. That's why, that's why they call him, uh, the Unabomber, by the way. We'll get into that. I'll spoil it for you. As he bombed universities and airlines, uh, the code name was the Unabom right. uh, for FBI. So the public servant called him the Unabomber. Kaczynski felt false. <laughs> Kaczynski's left false. Kaczynski left false clues in most bombs, which he intentionally made hard to find to make them appear more legitimate. Mm-hmm. Clues included metal plates stamped with initials FC, hidden somewhere, usually in the pipe and cap. Pipe and cap. The pipe and cap. Uh, a note left in a bomb that did not detonate, reading. Woo, it works, but it didn't. <laughs> I told you it would, RV. Oh, so he's acting like he had a note to somebody named Woo? Maybe. No, that's exactly what it is. Woo. It's supposed to be a Woo, yeah. it works. I told woo, you it would, it RV. I told you it would, RV. And the Eugene O'Neill $1 stamps often used to send his boxes. He sent one bomb embedded in a... Don't you... Can they think they can uh, track those stamps? I don't think so. I Is doubt it. Right. Do stamps have serial numbers? I don't know. He sent one bomb. He sent one bomb embedded in a copy of Sloan Wilson's novel *Ice Brothers*. Good for him. The FBI <laughs> theorized that Kaczynski's crimes involved a theme of nature, trees, and wood. He often included bits of a tree branch and bark in his bombs. His selected targets included Percy Wood and Professor Leroy Wood. Crime writer Robert Gray Smith noted his obsession with wood. Was a large factor in the bombings. <laughs> it has a large uh, uh, wood obsession. Yes. In 1981, a package that had been discovered in a hallway at the University of Utah was brought to the campus police and was defused by a bomb squad. In May of the following year, a bomb was sent to Patrick E. or pa- Patrick C. Fisher, a professor teaching at Vanderbilt. Fisher was on vacation in Puerto Rico at the time, and his secretary, Janet Smith, opened the bomb and received injuries to the face and arms. Ooh. First of all, secretary, why are you opening other people's mail? Right. Get what you deserve. Man, Kaczynski, Cur- right. Curiosity killed the secretary. <laughs> right. Kaczynski's oh, next. Sorry, sorry for the uh, yeah. forced comedy there, guys. Forced. Mm. Kaczynski's next two bombs targeted people at the University of California, Berkeley. Hey, it's about time. I mean, right. the people that he really has a gripe. I don't even know if he has a gripe against right. Berkeley. They gave him everything he wanted. Right. Maybe the kids made fun of him or something. Mm, maybe. The first in July of 1982 caused serious injuries to engineering professor Diogenes, Diogenes Angelakos. That's a Greek. Diogenes Angelakos. I don't know how to say that name, guys. D-I-O-G-E-N-E-S. First name, A-N-G-E-L-A-K-O-S. Last name. Nearly three years later, May 1985, John Hauser, I can say that one, a graduate student and captain in the United States Air Force, oh, oh. No, lost four fingers and vision one eye. Oh, jeez. Kaczynski handcrafted a bomb from wooden parts. A bomb sent to the Boeing Company in Auburn, Washington, was defused by a bomb squad the following month. November 1985, Professor James McConnell and research assistant Nicholas Suano, Suino were both severely injured after Suano opened a mail bomb addressed to McConnell. <laughs> Why are these people ma- right. opening other people's mail, dude? Hey, would you get that mail and open it up for me? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I guess. No maybe. problem. No problem. In late 1985, a nail and splinter loaded. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. A splinter loaded bomb placed in the parking lot of his store in Sacramento, California, killed 38-year-old computer store owner Hugh Scrutton. Killed. First, uh, 
first casualty here. A similar attack against a computer store took place in Salt Lake City on February 20th, 1987. The bomb, disguised as a piece of lumber, injured Gary Wright when he attempted to remove it from the store's parking lot. Jeez. Oh, that is a good thing. Put it like a piece of lumber down there and right. nobody knows there's a bomb inside of it. All Jeez. Right. The explosion yeah. severed nerves in Wright's left arm and propelled over 200 pieces of shrapnel into his body. Oh, jeez. Jeez, dude. He's getting more a little sophisticated with his um with his bombs here, huh? Right, man. Kaczynski was spotted while planning the site. Yeah. Kaczynski was spotted while planning the Salt Lake City bomb. This led to a widely distributed sketch of the suspect as a hooded man with a mustache and aviator sunglasses. Oh, no. Is it D.B. Cooper? No, no. 19, oh, 1993, after a six-year break. Kaczynski mailed it. How do you just do that? Right. You do this for nothing and then take a six-year break and decide, <laughs> I think I'll make a bomb again. Right. Or do you have to do a lot of research on this? Maybe, one? yeah. Kaczynski mailed a bomb to the home of Charles Epstein from the University of California, San Francisco. Epstein lost several fingers upon opening the package. Mm. In the same weekend, Kaczynski mailed a bomb to David Gallanter, a computer science professor at Yale. Gallanter lost sight in one eye. Hearing in one ear and a portion of his right hand. Jeez, oh, jeez, dude. In 1994, Burson Marsteller executive Thomas Mosser was killed after opening a bomb sent to his home in New Jersey. Jeez. Oh, in a letter to the New York Times, Kaczynski wrote that he had sent the bomb because of Mosser's work repairing the public image of Exxon after the Exxon Valdez oil spill. This was followed by the 1995 murder of Gilbert Brent Murray, president of the Timber Industry Lobbying Group, California Forestry Association, by a mail bomb addressed to, to addressed to previous president William Dennison, who had retired. Oh, so it wasn't even meant no, for him. No, uh, geneticist Philip Sharp at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology (MIT) received a threatening letter shortly afterward. Okay. In all, he sent a bunch of bombs. A lot. His first bomb being May 25th, 1978, uh, Northwest University, uh, May 9th, 1979, November 15th, 1979, on the American Airlines flight, um, June 10th, 1980, October 8th, 1981, University of Utah, Vanderbilt University got one, May 5th, 1982, July 2nd, 1982, the University of California, Berkeley got one, May 15th, 1985, um, sent to John Hauser, he lost some fingers, um, the Boeing company in Auburn got sent one in, um, March, June 13th, 1985, November 15th, 1985, University of Michigan got one. Um, and then another one was Nicholas Suino, the one that, uh, had burns and shrapnel wounds. December 11th, 1985 in Sacramento, Hugh Scrutton dies from a bomb sent. Salt Lake City. Oh, the computer store owner, owner guy. Uh, he got one on February 20th, 1987. June 22nd, 1993. Um, Charles Epstein got sent one. June 24th, 1993. Yale University sent to David Jalenter. Jalenter. And then uh, December 10th, 1994. And New Jersey sent to Thomas Mosser. He dies from that. And then April 24th, 1995. Gilbert, Gilbert Brent Murray dies from the bomb as well, and that was the last bomb sent, as far as we know. All right. Several letters to media outlets outlining his goals and demanding a major newspaper print his 35,000-word essay called Industrial Society and Its Future, which was dubbed the Unabomber Manifesto by the FBI. They always got to have a nickname. He wanted it published verbatim as well. Don't change nothing. Nothing. He stated that he would desist from terrorism. If his demand was meant. Okay. There was controversy as to whether the essay should be published. Publish it. Who gives a right. shit? But Attorney General Janet Reno and the FBI Director, uh, hey, a new director. At least it's not uh, 
J. Edgar. Right. Louis Free, I think that's how you pronounce his name, recommended his publication out of concern for public safety and in the hope that the reader could identify the author. Bob Guccione, Guccione of Penthouse volunteered to publish. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, you guys want to look at, look at all these naked women? Why don't we publish a uh, yeah. th- 35,000 uh, manifesto by right. a mad bomber in between no, it all? Nobody read it. Right. right. Kaczynski replied Penthouse was less respectable. <laughs> yeah. In the New York Times and the Washington Post. Well, I think uh, I think <laughs> nowadays Penthouse is probably more respectable. Or is Penthouse even still around? I don't know. And said that to increase our chances of getting our stuff published in some respectable periodical, he would reserve the right to plant one and only one bomb intended to kill after our manuscript has been published. Well, the Washington Post was like, you know what? We're going to do it. They published the essay on 19th September, 1995. Good for them. Kaczynski used a typewriter to write his manuscript, capitalizing entire words for emphasis in lieu of italics. Uh. He always referred to himself as either we or FC or Freedom Club, though there is no evidence that he worked with others. Donald Wayne Foster analyzed the writing at the request of Kaczynski's defense team in 96 and noted that it contained irregular spelling and hyphenation, along with other linguistic idiosyncrasies. Mm. This led him to conclude that Kaczynski, Kaczynski was its author. Okay. Uh, there's no evidence that he worked with others. Industrial society and its future begins with Kaczynski's uh, assert- assertion. Sorry, the industrial <laughs> revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. He writes that technology has been has had a destabilizing effect on society, has has made life unfulfill- unfulfilling, and has caused widespread psychological suffering. Mm. True, true, and true. Yes, even truer now. Kaczynski uh, Kaczynski argues that most people spend their time enraged and useless, engaged in useless pursuits because of technological advances. Okay, he calls these surrogate activities. Right, that's good. Video games, wherein people strive towards artificial goals, including scientific work, consumption of entertainment, political activism, and following sports teams. Oh no, yeah, following, you're not allowed to follow sports teams, huh? I mean, that is. I mean, I guess if you're thinking like this guy's following the meaningless sports team is taken away from right. other stuff you could be doing. Well, Teddy would predict that further technological advances will lead to extensive human genetic engineering. Oh. And that human beings will be adjusted to meet the needs of the social systems rather than vice versa. That's exactly what's happened. Kaczynski states that technological progress can be stopped in contrast to the viewpoint of people who says, uh, he understands, what the fuck? Come on. <laughs> In contrast to the viewpoint of people who he says understand technology's negative effects, yet passively accept it as inevitable. Of course, it's money, money, money. Mm-hmm. He calls for a return to primitive lifestyles. I just go back to being, uh, the caveman living style. on the damn land. All right. Make a hammer with a rock and, uh, a, a, a stick. Kaczynski's critiques of civilization bear some similarities to anarcho and primitivism. But he rejected and criticized anarcho-primitivism. He didn't like their views. He did not like the views. He argues that the erosion of human freedom is natural product of an industrial society because the system has to regulate human behavior closely in order to function. And that reform of the system is possible as drastic changes to it would not be implemented because of their disruption of the system. Okay. He states that the system has not fully achieved control over all human behavior and is in the midst of a struggle to gain that control. They are. Fast forward... um, what was this, 95? Yeah. Fast forward 20 years, 25 years, and uh, it's control of the system. Crazy. Kaczynski predicts that the system will break down if it cannot achieve significant control, and that is likely the issue will be cited within the next 40 to 100 years. Ooh, we're getting there. He states that the task of those who oppose industrial society is to promote stress within and upon the, uh, and upon the society 
and to propagate anti-technology ideology. Right. One of that one that offers the counter ideal of nature. Kaczynski goes on to say that a revolution will be only possible when industrial society is sufficiently unstable. Here's where the canceling comes. Oh no! A significant portion of the document is dedicated to discussing left-wing politics. Kaczynski attributing many of society's issues to leftists. He defines leftists as mainly socialists, collectivists, politically correct types, feminists, gay, disability activists, animal rights activists, and of such that likes. True. <laughs> Pretty accurate description <laughs> of the leftists. Of the leftists. He huh? believes that over socialization and feelings of inferiority primarily drive leftism. Inferior inferiority? Yeah. And derides it as one of the most widespread manifestations of the craziness of our world. Dude, how is this guy so right in 1995? Kaczynski adds. Now we're going to hear it. Well, these guys are uh, Unabomber sympathizers. (laughs) Just agreeing with what his description of the the leftists are. Kaczynski adds that the type of movement he envisions must be anti-leftists and refrain from collaboration with leftists. As in his view, leftism is the long run inconsistent with wild nature, with human freedom, and with the elimination of modern technology. I mean, you really can't just discredit them all together. Uh, I mean, you, you got to work with them. Uh, who is compromise. the who, uh, Silicon Valley, where all this technology is uh, uh, coming from? YouTube, Twitter, all that shit. Who are those people? Yeah, it's true. Lefties. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones that are making these big technological shit. That's true. So. He didn't even know this then. Nothing like this is even happening that's happening now, and he's well, already saying this. I'm sure it was. Bill Gates is already dominating shit. He also criticizes... Cons- oh, that's you. He also criticizes conservatives, describing them as fools who whine about the decay of traditional values, yet enthusiastically support technological process and economic growth. These things, he argues, have led to this decay. He's not wrong there either. Wow. James spot on of the old rhinos. Sure was. <laughs> James Q. Wilson, a 1998 New York Times op-ed, wrote, If it is the work of a madman, then the writings of many political philosophers, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Tom Paine, Karl Marx, are scarcely more sane. The Unabomber does not like socialization, technology, leftist political causes, or conservative attitudes. Apart from his call for an unspecified revolution, his paper resembles something that a very good graduate student might have written. Oh, so now he's calling him... He's a very good graduate student. Right. Well, that's... He's trashing his intelligence, pretty mm-hmm. much. A fellow alumnus of Harvard in 2000 for The Atlantic wrote that it is true that many believe Kaczynski was insane because they needed to believe it. They needed to believe it. Right. They thought he was insane. But the truly disturbing aspect of Kaczynski and his ideas is not that they are so foreign, but they are so familiar. Ah, that's what it is. You get called crazy because you're speaking the truth that everybody else is thinking. Right? He argued that we need to see Kaczynski, Kaczynski as exceptional. Madman or genius, because the alternative is so much more frightening. University of Michigan Dearborn philosophy professor David Scribina helped to compile Kaczynski's work into the 2010 anthology Technological Slavery, including the original manifesto Letters Between Scribina and Kaczynski and other essays. Kaczynski updated his 1995 manifesto as Anti-Tech Revolution, Why and How, to address advances in computers and Internet. He advocates practicing other types of protest and make no mention of violence. According to a 2021 study, Kaczynski's manifesto is a synthesis of ideas from a, from three well-known academics, French philosopher Jacques Ellul, 
British zoologist Desmond Morris, and American psychologist Martin Seligman. Okay, so he's listening to those guys and forming his opinion off of that, right? right? Well, because of the material used to make the mail bombs, U.S. postal inspectors who initially had responsibility for the case mm. labeled the suspect junkyard bomber. It was made of scrap parts and stuff. Right, the old junkyard bomber. Well, FBI inspector Terry D. Turchie was appointed to run the Unibomb, which university stands for University and Airline Bomber Investigation. Mm. In 1979, an FBI-led task force that included 125 agents from the FBI, the uh, ATF, and the U.S. Postal Inspection Service was formed. Um, the task grew to more than 150 full-time personnel, but, mo- but, but minute analysis of recovered components of the bombs and the investigation into the lives of the victims proved of little use in ident- identifying the suspect, who right. built the bombs primarily from scrap materials available almost anywhere. Investigators later learned that the victims were chosen indiscriminately from library research. 1980, Chief Agent John Douglas, working with agents in the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit, issued a psychological profile of the unidentified bomber. It described the offender as a man with above average intelligence and connections to ac- academia. How are these guys so good? Right. <laughs> this profile was later refined to characterize the offender as a neo-ludite, holding an academic degree in the hard sciences, but this psychologically based profile was discarded in 1983. A Bay analysts developed an alternative theory that concentrated on the physical evidence in the recovered bomb fragments. Well, in this rival profile, the suspect was characterized as a blue-collar airplane mechanic. Mm. Wrong. The Unibomb Task Force set up a toll-free telephone hotline to take calls related to the investigation with a million-dollar reward for anyone who could buy information leading up to his capture. A million dollars? Well, actually putting up some money there. Before the publication of his manifesto, which we'll get to, Kaczynski's brother David was encouraged by his wife to follow up on suspicions that Ted was the Unabomber. Dang, so he even knew before. He had some uh, some feelings there. Right. He, uh, David was dismissive at first, but he took the likelihood more seriously after reading the manifesto a week after it was published in September of 95. <laughs> yeah. He searched through old family papers and found letters dating to the 70s that Ted had sent to newspapers to protest. Oh, so he's already sending right. newspapers before then oh, to protest the abuses of technology using phrasing similar to that in the manifesto. Okay. How the hell has the FBI not found this out? Right. Hmm. Before the manifesto's publication... The FBI held many press conferences asking the public to help identify the Unabomber. They were convinced that the bomber was from the Chicago area, where he began his bombings, had worked in or had some connection to Salt Lake City, and by the 1990s had been in association with the San, San Francisco Bay Area. This geographical information and the wording and ex- excerpts from the manifesto that were released before the entire text of the manifesto was published persuaded David's wife to urge him to read it. Hmm. After the manifesto was published, the FBI received thousands of leads in response to its offer of a reward for information leading to the identification of the Unabomber. While FBI reviewed new leads, Kaczynski's brother David hired private investigator Susan Swanson in Chicago to investigate Ted's activities discreetly. David later hired uh, Washington, D.C. attorney Tony Biskedgley to organize the evidence acquired by Swanson and contact the FBI given the presumed difficulty of tracking the FBI's attention. Huh. Kaczynski's family wanted to protect him from the danger of an FBI raid, such as such as those at Ruby Ridge or Waco. Mm-hmm. You all know what happened there, which is also conspiracy theoried uh, FBI ran stuff there. But that's a different show. Since they feared a violent outcome from any attempt by the FBI to contact Kaczynski. Early 1996, an investigator working with Basegli contacted former FBI hostage negotiator and criminal profiler Clinton R. Van Zandt. Besegli 
asked him to compare the manifesto to typewritten copies of handwritten letters David had received from his brother. Van Zant's initial analyst determined that there was better than a 60% chance that the same person had written the manifesto, which had been in public circulation for half a year now. Mm. Van Zant's second analytical team determined a higher likelihood. He recommended Bisegli's client contact the FBI immediately. Immediately. You guys got to get a hold of these guys quick. In February 1996, he gave the copy of the 1971 essay written by Ted Kaczynski to Molly Flynn at the FBI. She forwarded the essay to San Francisco-based task force. FBI profiler James R. Fitzgerald recognized similarities in the writings using linguistic analysis and determined that the author of the essays and the manifesto was almost certainly the same person. Combined with facts gleaned from the bombings and Kaczynski's life, the analysis provided the basis for an affidavit signed by Terry Turchy, the head of the entire investigation, in support of the application for a search warrant. Gotta get that search warrant. David Kaczynski had tried to remain anonymous, but he was soon identified. Within a few days, an FBI agent team was dispatched to interview David and his wife with their attorney in Washington, D.C. At this and subsequent meetings, David provided letters written by his brother in their original envelopes, allowing the FBI task force to use the postmark dates to add more detail to their timeline of Ted's activities. Oh, what a shitty brother. David developed a respectful relationship with behavioral analyst Special Agent Kathleen M. Puckett. He's married. Who he met many times in Washington, D.C., Texas. respectful relationship. Mm. What do you think they're meaning? Mm. He respectfully banged her brains out. Right. Uh, whom he met many times in Washington, Texas, Chicago, Schenectady, New York. Schenectady? Schenectady? Schenectady, New York. Over the nearly two months before the federal search warrant was served on Kaczynski's Cabin. Yeah. <laughs> David had once admired and emulated his brother, uh, but had since left the survivalist lifestyle behind. Right. He had received assurances from the FBI that he would remain anonymous and that his brother would not learn who had turned him in. Uh-oh. But his identity was leaked to CBS of News in early April 1996. Because these guys are idiots, right, dude. The FBI dumb. sucks. Yeah, CBS angerman Dan Rather called FBI Director Louis Free, who requested 24 hours before CBS broke the story, broke the story on the evening news. Well, have to. At least he called him. I was like, hey, man, we want you to know you should probably take care of this guy right. because... Uh, He's about to be plastered right. everywhere. Right. It's good for them, I guess. Right. The FBI scrambled to finish the search warrant. And had oh, it. they didn't even have the search warrant yet. Oh. The CBS knew. Oh, they were going to... They were going to call. They were going to cover the news thing before they even had the warrant out to go get them. That's why the news sucks, dude. Idiots. So the FBI scrambling to finish the search warrant and have it issued by the federal judge in Montana... Afterwards, the FBI conducted an internal leak investigation, but the source of the leak was never identified. Oh, they knew exactly uh, who did it. Exactly. Shut up. There was a guy actually doing the investigation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was the lead right. of the internal leak right. investigation. Like, not, no, nothing here. <laughs> nothing. Don't know who this guy is. <laughs> FBI officials were unanimous. We're not. Unanimous. We're not unanimous. And identifying Ted as the author of the manifesto. Huh. The search warrant noted that several experts believed the manifesto had been written by another individual. That was even on the search warrant. Right. Well, this might be our guy, but we never know. FBI agents arrested an unkempt Kaczynski at his cabin on April 3rd, 1996. A search revealed a cache of bomb components, 40,000 handwritten journal pages that included bomb-making experiments, descriptions of the Unabomber crimes, and one live bomb ready for mailing. Oh, jeez. They also found what appeared to be the original. Why would he keep it in his house, dude? I'd be like putting that about 200 feet away or something. (laughs) 
They also found what appeared to be the original type manuscript for Industrial Society and its future. Mm -hmm. By this point, the Unabomber had been the target of the most expensive investigation in FBI history at the time. Oh, Pete. A 2000 report by the United States Commission of the Advancement of Federal Law Enforcement stated that the task force had spent over $50 million throughout the course of the investigation. $50 million. I mean, it's like a 30-year investigation. Right. After his capture, theories emerging, naming Kaczynski as a Zodiac killer who murdered five people in Northern California. From 1968 to 1969. I don't know about that. I know. I don't think so. Among the links that raised suspicion was that Kaczynski lived in San Francisco Bay Area from 1967 to 69, the same period that most of the Zodiac's confirmed killings occurred. That both individuals were highly intelligent with an interest in bombs and codes, and that both wrote letters to newspapers demanding the publication of their works with the threat of continued violence if the demand was not met. Interesting. Wait, how many times did uh, Kaczynski do this? With the letters. Just the one time that his manifesto was published. Right, so. But he did write letters demanding um, change. Change, right. right. So who knows? Yet Kaczynski's whereabouts could not be verified for all of the killings. Since the gun and knife murders committed by the Zodiac killer differed from yeah. his bombings, obviously, authorities did not presume as a suspect. Robert Graysmith, author of the 1986 book Zodiac, said the similarities are fascinating but purely coincidental, right. I would say as well. He's not definitely not the type to no. butcher somebody to death. He'll blow him up from long distances away, but right. not butcher him. The early hunt for the Unabomber portrayed a perpetrator far different from the eventual suspect. Kaczynski continuous, consistently uses we and our throughout uh, his manifesto. At 1.93, investigators sought an individual whose first name was Nathan because the name was imprinted on the envelope of the letter sent to the media. Hmm. Purposely, obviously. Right. When authorities presented the case to the public, they denied that there was ever anyone other than Kaczynski involved in the crimes. Sure. First of all, these mother- the, the FBI went through every database uh, with the name Nathan. <laughs> Dude, if you were Nathan and you were born in, uh, like an adult, or at least in 1993, right. you got everything about your life looked at. Right. Especially if you're in San Francisco Bay Area. In that area, right. <laughs> yeah, dude. Any of you Nathans out there. Jeez. Uh, There's a Nathan right now listening to the show. Be like, that was the worst time of my life. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I was wondering what the hell was going on. Jeez. A federal grand jury indicted Kaczynski in June 1996 on 10 counts of illegally transporting, mailing, and using bombs. Jeez. Kaczynski's lawyers, headed by Montana federal public defenders Michael Donahue and Judy Clark, attempted to enter an insanity defense. To avoid the death penalty. But Kaczynski rejected this strategy. 8th of January. He's 19- like, I'm not insane. Dude. Right. 8th of January, 1998. He asked to dismiss his lawyers and hired Tony Sarah as his counsel. Sarah had agreed not to use an insanity defense and instead promised to base a defense on Kaczynski's anti-technology views. Instant loss. Both. Right. Just because, just, I don't know, the insanity might have got somewhere. Maybe. Um, the anti-technology views is not going to get you. So what? You don't like technology that gives you an excuse to blow people up? And then the judge actually be like, you that's know the what? Worst, you, that's the worst defense in history. Right. Then the judge will be like, you know what? He may be insane. <laughs> yeah. You should have done that one, guys. Right. He's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna declare him insane right. because you guys are idiots. Heather's request was unsuccessful. See, even the judge was trying to help him out. Kaczynski tried to kill himself on January 9th. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Sally Johnson, the psychiatrist who examined Kaczynski, concluded that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, it's a schizo, huh? Uh, forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz, 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 said Kaczynski was not psychotic, That's but a had deets. a schizoid. Like deets. Deets. Yeah, Dietz. 
Dietz, Dietz. Park Dietz, 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 Dietz. <laughs> said Kaziski was not psychotic, but had a schizoid or schizotypal personality disorder. Right. Uh, in his 2010 book, Technological Slavery, he's dude's writing book in prison. Right. Nice. Uh, Kaczynski said that two prison psychologists who visited him frequently for four years told him they saw no indication that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. And the diagnosis was ridiculous and a political diagnosis, obviously. Uh, I don't think he has nothing. He just literally was like, screw you guys. I'm going to blow you all up because you took away my one calm spot that I hiked in the woods one day. Right. Maybe he is psycho. I don't know. Plus, stuff he was saying about the technology was true and they didn't like people spewing that kind of truthness. January 21st, 1998. Kaczynski was declared competent to stand trial by federal prison psychiatrist Johnson. Good for him. Despite the psychiatric diagnosis, as he was fit to stand trial, prosecutors sought the death penalty. But Kaczynski avoided that by pleading. <laughs> Kaczynski. <laughs> Kaczynski avoided that by pleading guilty to all charges on uh, the twenty second of January, and accepting life imprisonment without possibility. They're like, parole. yeah, dude, we can draw this out the trial, and you'll probably get the death penalty, or you can just take our terms of just admit it, and we'll put you in life. Just go spend put you in there your, for life. Just go spend the rest of your life in prison, bud. Right. He later tried to withdraw his plea, arguing it was involuntary, as he had been coerced to plead guilty by the judge. Yeah, the judge probably went and talked to him. And was like, dude, He's, dude, this is what's gonna happen. Frankly, you have nothing here. Right. Man. You're going down, and if we take it to the jury, the jury's going to hang you. Mm-hmm. Judge Garland Ellisboro Jr. denied his request, and the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit upheld that decision. No way. So the judge that he claims um, coerced him said, no, I didn't. He's like, I'm going deni- <laughs> to gonna deny that. That request for uh, a new... For a new uh, plea? Trial? No. A new plea, at least. Right. Yeah. Continue trial? Mm, I don't think so. In 2006, Burrell, is it Burrell? I think it's Burrell. In 2006, Burrell ordered that the items from Kaczynski's cabin be sold at a reasonably advertised internet auction. Nice. Oh, oh, jeez, yeah, dude. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're using an internet auction when he clearly hated technology to sell his stuff. <laughs> yeah, talk about a slap in the face to him, huh? Right. Items considered to be bomb making materials such as diagrams and recipes for bombs were excluded. Obviously. Obviously. The net proceeds. Or were they? All right. The net proceeds went towards the fifteen million in restitution Burrell had awarded Kaczynski's victims. Dang. Uh Kaczynski's correspondence and other personal papers were also auctioned. Bur- who who buys this? And you think anybody spent nearly fifteen million? I don't I think so. Doubt it. Uh Burrell ordered the removal before sale of references in those documents to Kaczynski's victims. He uh un Kaczynski unsuccessfully challenged those redactions as a violation of his freedom of speech. The auction ran for two weeks in 2011 and raised over $232,000, though. Yeah, uh, he could argue freedom of speech if he's a free man, but once you're in prison for life, you have no rights. Kaczynski was serving eight life sentences without the possibility to parole at ADX Florence, a supermax prison in Florence, Colorado. Early in his imprisonment, Kaczynski befriended Ramsey Youssef. And Timothy McVeigh, oh, here we go again. So Kaczynski befriended Ramsey Youssef and Timothy McVeigh, the perpetrators of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. We all know those guys. And the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs> Not together, though. Right, respectively. Who did more damage? I think the Oklahoma City bombing was Obviously, the Oklahoma City bombing. Right. Hey, Timothy McVeigh, dumbass. The trio discussed religion and politics and formed a friendship, which lasted until McVeigh's execution in 2001. 
2012, Kaczynski responded to the Harvard Alumni Association's directory inquiry for the 15th reunion of the class of 1962. 50th. Yeah, 50th, 15th. I'm like, dang, long 15 years. He listed the occupation as prisoner and his eight life sentences as awards. <laughs> <laughs> what awards did you have? Well, I got eight life sentences at the ADX Florence Supermax prison yeah, in Florence, baby. Colorado. Look at me. Suck on it. Mm. <laughs> on December 14, 2021, 79-year-old Kaczynski was transferred from the Supermax prison in Florence to the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina, for health reasons. Prison staff have not disclosed a precise reason for this transfer. Right. The U.S. government seized Kaczynski's cabin, which they put on display at the museum in Washington, D.C. until late 2019 before it was transferred to a nearby FBI museum. These guys are like gloating about their crimes. That's retarded. You, you spend all this money to take down people like this, and you try to quiet, you quiet a silence, you try to silence them. You don't want them nothing, to, but then you're going to put, after you capture them and all that shit, you're going to put their little cabin in a museum and <laughs> articles about him and behind glass and his pictures. I mean, come on. That's glorifying the guy. It's ridiculous. Same thing as... Same um, thing we're doing now. Same, right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Same thing as Bonnie and Clyde's uh, shot-up shot up vehicle car. and all, right. all that shit, dude. Jeez, in October 2005, Kaczynski offered to donate two rare books to the Melville J. Herskovitz Library of African Studies at Northwestern University's campus in Evanston, Illinois, the location of his first two attacks. Ah, well, the library rejected this offer on the grounds that it already had copies of the works. The Labadi Collection. Labadi. Right. Part of the University of Michigan Special Collections Library houses Kaczynski's correspondence with over 400 people since his arrest, including replies, legal documents, publications, and clippings. His writings are among the most popular selections in University of Michigan Special Collections. Hmm. The identity of the, mo of the most correspondence will remain sealed. To 2049. Oh, so everybody he's been writing with and uh, communicating with over his time in prison, we don't know until 2049. Uh, Why? Sealed documents. Why? Why do you think? Huh. Uh, Kaczynski has been portrayed in and inspired multiple artistic works in the realm of popular culture. These include the 1996 television film Unabomber, The True Story. I think I watched that. The 2011 play P.O. Box Unabomber. Didn't see that. Manhunt Unabomber. The 2017 season of television series Manhunt. Didn't watch it. And in 2021, the movie Ted K., the moniker. Ooh, that just came out. I was looking at it. I was going to watch that the other day. Ted K. Yeah, I think I'm about to watch it now. Maybe. The moniker probably should have watched it before this, but right, the right. moniker Unabomber was also applied to the Italian Unabomber, a terrorist who conducted similar attacks in Italy from 94 to 2006. Dang. Prior to the 96 United States presidential election, a campaign called Unabomber for President was launched with the goal of electing Kaczynski as president through write-in votes. Oh, jeez. Wow. He, he was portrayed by Charlotte? Charlotte? He was portrayed by Charlotte Copley in the 2021 film Ted, Ted K. How many write-in votes did he get? I want to know. I don't know. 123,000 write-in and blank votes were compiled as one total. Oh, So they probably won't even give out who was who. The total votes figure includes all write-in and scattered ballots, which cannot be attributed to any of these candidates. Uh, party names and ballot statuses. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they're not going to do it by that names. Oh, I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but yeah. don't have enough time to dig right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In his book, The Age of Spiritual Machines, 1999, futurist Ray Kurzweil quoted a passage from Kaczynski's manifesto, Industrial Society and Its Future. In turn, Kaczynski was referenced by Bill Joy, co-founder of Sun Microsystems, in the 2000 Wired article, Why the Future Doesn't Need Us. Joy stated Kaczynski is clearly a Luddite, but simply saying this does not dismiss his argument. 
Uh, Professor John Jean Marie Apostolides has raised questions surrounding the ethics of spreading Kaczynski's views. Oh, see? Like, should we be doing this? <laughs> or is it bad oh, that we're we doing right? it? Various radical movements and extremists have been influenced by Kaczynski. Right. People inspired by Kaczynski's ideas show up on, uh, in a, unexpected places, from nihilist, anarchist, and eco-extremist movements to right. conservative intellectuals. Mm-hmm. Anders Baring Brevik, the perpetrator of the 2011 Norway attacks, published a manifesto which co- copied large portions of uh, Kaczynski's. Wow. With certain terms substituted, replacing leftists with cultural Marxists What's and multiculturalists. What's the difference? Mm. What's the difference? What's the difference? Over 20 years after Kaczynski's imprisonment, his views have inspired an online community of primitivists and neo-Ludites. One explanation for the renewal of his interest in his views is a television series Manhunt, Unabomber. Makes sense. Which aired in 2017. Kaczynski is also frequently referred to by eco-fascism online. Although some militant fascist and neo-Nazi groups idolize him, Kaczynski described fascism in his manifesto as a kook ideology and Nazism as evil. Yeah, I would assume he would, right? Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Outlaws and Gunslingers, the Unabomber. We went a little long in this one, about an hour and 20-ish around there somewhere after the editing's all done, I'm assuming, which we usually been trying to keep him at about 40 the 45 but uh number part we were gonna we were gonna do part two part ones and part twos but it didn't really need a part two and some some episodes are obviously gonna need a part two where they're gonna be an hour long each or something like that but this one i think you guys can handle an hour and 20 minutes of uh the episode so that can you is how we are gonna end this one with the unabomber his whole uh, explanation he didn't like lefts he didn't like conservatives he didn't like technology and supposedly he was not crazy either. Supposedly he was not crazy. So, I don't know. This guy's still alive. Didn't die yet. So, he's still in prison, rotting away. Well, he was moved to that uh, medical facility, but yeah. he still didn't die. In 2021. So, almost six months ago. So, maybe died then and just didn't say nothing. I don't know. Yeah, they would say something. Doubt it. We would have heard about it. Yeah, but, you know about him, dead. Yeah. My dead. He's been dead. The Twitter world would have been spitting on his grave. The Twitter world. And George truly. Right. <laughs> um, Ted K though, that's an interesting movie. I might have to check out. Yeah, man, just came out, guys. Check it out yourselves. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, with that being said, we will be back next week for who knows, but we will be back next week regardless. Even if we have to just uh, start up and say, "This is banging and dang hi," yeah, and then we end the episode. Out, oh, you know. Peace out. Peace out. That'll do it for us. Did we just get a standing ovation? <laughs> I think we did. Nice. <laughs> They're like, yes. <laughs> That's all we wanted to hear from them. Uh, we'll be back next week for another episode of Outlaws and Gunslingers with the Mouth of Michiganers with Bing Dang. <laughs>